welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host Leanne Hunt and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello everybody and welcome to Knitter Square. This is episode four of season three. Um, I'm recording this on an afternoon when there's a storm approaching and you may be able to hear some thunder. But anyway, it's uh, been quite a hot day. It is like this in February, but we are expecting the weather to become a little cooler in March. Uh, We start to get some cold fronts moving in, a bit more rain, and then it really only starts to get really chilly towards May. But um, it, uh, it is a good time for us to be gathering blankets and beanies and hand warmers and toys, stocking up for the distributions that will be happening in particular over the winter months. Anyway, before I um, ramble on too much, I'm going to introduce my interview today. It's with Athelay, and this is one that I did in September last year while she was what I call on location <laughs> in Perfuri. This is a community that she has had long um, links with, long-standing links with. Um, it's actually situ- situated up near the Kruger National Park, and um, she will tell you all about the community. But um, it was really fun getting that uh, interview with her. Um, we chatted on WhatsApp. Uh, she was sort of out there in the open with children running by, and it was really fun because you get to hear the the children who are approaching her and the language and that kind of thing. Um, I hope you're going to enjoy it. Um, afterwards, I will tell you, as promised, I'll tell you a little bit about the course that I'm studying because uh, I said I would, and I must say I'm really enjoying it. So enough of me now, over to my interview with Athelay. Birdies sound lovely in the background. Oh, good. I think it's just little house sparrows, yes. actually. Yeah. But every now and then something way more exotic, like yesterday afternoon we had this wailing baby, which is actually the trumpeter hornbill, which is found in these parts. And then we had the long-tailed or the blue-eared or something like that, starling, which is also only found in these far northeastern parts, and that's got its own call. So we never know. And then there's uh, goats and uh, their, their little lambs that were crying earlier. And uh, the odd rooster that's not sure at the time of day. But uh, mostly, hopefully, you can hear me and um, so can our listeners. Well, first of all, it's just so lovely to speak with you and all our listeners around the world and to be able to share in my experiences of the last few days, all of which made possible by our wonderful contributors. And uh, so I'm speaking to you from a tiny little village that, unless you've been here, you would never have heard of it. It's in the furthest northeastern corner of South Africa. And if you, I'm on the outskirts of the village, but if I were to drive back to downtown, which is about a mile or two kilometers or so from here, and then a hundred meters, I'd be on the main road. And if I turned right and I drove for less than a kilometer, I'd be at the Pafuri Gate to Kruger National Park. And in fact, if I entered then, 
and drove about, let's say, 40 kilometers east. I would hit Crook's Corner, which is a famous corner, so named because of activity that used to go on there back in the day with ivory trade and so on, um, where Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and South Africa meet. And in fact, it's where my, what I affectionately call my Gogo, or Kokwani, otherwise in her English name, Nuria, was born. So she belongs really to no countries. And um, according to her ID, which was an approximate date probably, um, because of when she was born and where she was born, but according to that, she's born on the same day as me, but 100 years ago, uh, the 4th of September, you know, she, she trained me in, in a lot of her herbalist understandings and I um, did what they call a twasser with her, which means I was one of her students and nowadays I'm recognized as her sort of Henri daughter and um, student. I'm, I'm her only, what they call here Makua or Umlungu, which means white. I'm the only white friend or student she's ever had. But we just have this fabulous connection from back in the day when I lived in the treehouse, which brings me to, which was 20 years ago, which brings me to how come this village? Well, um, 20 odd years ago, I was living down in um, uh, a treehouse, which is a long story in itself and perhaps not for now, but I was. I'd sort of sold up everything, and my husband at the time and I, he's an architect, I just sold my ad agency, and we went and lived in this treehouse. And that's how I met Noria and the people of the village and came to be friends with everybody, and I met the headman, which is why I can now distribute at my own time and in my own way to the people, because in these sort of parts, uh, in deeply rural parts, it's you can't just sort of... Well, in any community, you can't really just walk in and start handing out things. Um, but here, I learned the hard way, I must, must add, that yeah, you, you have to sort of um, go through the correct channels and pay your respect to the headman. In this case, his name's Nelson Spuga. Uh, but now, 20 years on, you know, he respects uh, my, that I have family, familial ties here in the village and um, that I can just come and go. And uh, I've got many trusted uh, translators and, and um, friends who will help put the word out so that I can try as efficiently as possible to get each child only one blanket. Of course, the children here could do with three blankets each. They could do with a few toys each, but I've been here, I think, a few times with my car absolutely crammed. You couldn't even fit a mouse in a corner, I'm telling you. It has to be seen to be believed, and it takes me days to pack uh, my little car, my little polo. Yeah, so uh, this time I was um, uh, kind of making it coincide with with celebrating uh, my Gogo's 100th, paying my respects, and then trying to get to children on the other side of the village. Because in the day when I first, back in the days when I came to have friends in the village, there were about 250 families. So, you know, that would be, you know, maybe a thousand children. It's a sprawling village. So, uh, and then of course, by the time I leave, um, every time, 
there's always children running after my car and saying, where my blanket? I want Poppy, Poppy, you know, which is the doll or blanket or so, you know. Um, so uh, this time I tried to, uh, well, I put out through, through some of my connections the word that I, I, I wanted people uh, who were not from this side because I've maybe given, I don't know, uh, maybe maybe well, less than 200 blankets mm-hmm. here over the last however many years it's taken me to get that. Anyway, so this time I had 69 blankets with me um, and 100 toys and about 30-odd beanies, no hand warmers, <clears throat> because up north here, we're north of the Tropic of Capricorn by a couple of hundred kilometers, so it's really uh, warm. But, you know, uh, this, the, the morning uh, after uh, I arrived here, it was 9 degrees in the early hours of the morning, 9C. So, you know, it does get chilly, and most of the children here, they definitely don't have blankets. And if they do, it's a blanket shared between a few children. Mm-hmm. And they are almost certainly sleeping on a mud floor. Um, and they almost definitely don't have a toy so uh yeah so i I managed to get the word out actually very easily uh, on the very first morning which was yesterday and so i had a stream of little visitors throughout the day um and uh oh my gosh yeah they'd walked from far in fact as we speak i have two little children approaching me i don't know if you can hear them let me just be quiet a minute Poppy! Hi. Uh, chair. Okay, come. Danin Gaynor's Wino. You know, what must I do, darling? You know? Such excitement. And I say no to these little boys who've walked from God knows where, and I said, okay, come tomorrow. That's what I was saying, Machero. Oh. And they just shouted no. <laughs> So as we speak, my dear, let me see the size of these children because I've got one cutest little fluffy dog with a little, um, oh my God, I wish you could see. He's like the size of my hand and he's got a collar on and it says number one. Yes. But he's got little uh, false eyes and nose. Yes. I can give to these children. They're big enough. They won't swallow. Yes. And then I've got a tiny little donkey. I wish you could see it with a little fluffy head as well and two little eyes. So let me just give these children Masiar. I've got hmm? Yes, you like that. Oh, I wish you could see the size of the dimples. <laughs> oh, and this tiny little top. Can I take picture? Okay. Wait, wait for me. See? Yes, wait. Just wait, wait, wait. I want to take picture. Wait. Ah, you want to pose? You want photo with pose? Okay. Okay, my friend. I take photo with pose, hey? Okay. Zawudi. Bye. Chumbira Zawudi. Ndariwua. Ngiamandi. Lovely. 
Chimbira Zawudi. <laughs> They're dancing with joy for me, so I danced a little bit back for them. So yes. that only excites them more, you know, when yeah. the crazy Umulongo Makua starts dancing. But <laughs> there's a tree here that drops a particular um, seed, yes. which they eat. Sorry, they're just leaving, but they're terribly excited. I can't even tell you. I wish you could see the dancing. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I swear he is um, actually... Uh, he is dancing up a storm and um, yeah, he's not going anywhere fast, I'm afraid. He is beyond excited, but that is uh, the story of this. I wish you could see them <laughs> dancing. They're kicking up so much dust. Okay, bye-bye. Chambira Zawudi. Zawudi. Anyway, so if any of our community ever wondered what it does that's about as gra graphic as i can get because yeah. the poppy laws are intact yeah and that was i have no blankets i'm sorry so i was telling them or fail as we know which means finish now yes <clears throat> and then they said no they want to poppy so i said okay come tomorrow because i'm busy with you and it just said no <laughs> so Anyway, I literally gave the one boy this tiny little dog and the other little boy uh, a tiny little um, a donkey. And you heard yes. that amount of excitement. Yes. Fantastic. So that's, that was about as I almost can say, anyway, bye, darling, that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> But i got to tell you also, Eliane, while I think of it, about what a struggle it was yesterday. And luckily, I know a bit of Chivenda from when I lived here. I, mm -hmm. I like learned all the bare necessities. Like uh, Nina, Nina, quite as we know. You know, like I'm, 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 I want to go ras as we know, which mm -hmm. means like stop the noise or I'm getting cross now. Mm -hmm. And also Chimbira uh, Zwino which means like, you know, you, you must leave now mm. and uh, all this sort of stuff. And um, also, you know, learning to mime because, of course, if a number of kids, especially three naughty little girls who I don't know if they think that this Mulungu doesn't know one black face from another because they kept reappearing. And, you know, I'm a good old uh reader of body language let's just say yes and you know also i edited all the pictures and a lot of the faces i know because i know the village anyway mm. and these little ones they all got last year and i kept telling them one 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 mm. which means nobody must ask for another one and uh, then of course when these little ones and i had to tell them mm. that i'm getting cross now you know and i have to um like chase them off, not that they were afraid, afraid or didn't still come back <laughs> a number of times. <laughs> so, you know, they, the blankets are hugely popular. And I must say, I was so lucky. We got in some absolute stunners mm -hmm. from Croatia, one from a lady called Anna, and I, I'm very bad at the name, so I don't remember. And please, I hope they forgive me. I'm not even sure if they uh, listen to the podcasts. But... Um, We got them in on Tuesday, 
And so they went first into my boot. Um, uh, I think it was Sue helped me in the barn to to, to know. Um, no, it wasn't. It was um, that lady who makes the beautiful crochet squares, uh, Elaine Joubert. Mm. She helped me pack about 35, of which about a dozen were from Croatia, of which mm. a couple were just pure, just, I mean, they're all beautiful, and they are all fallen on with glad cries, yes. as you can hear. Yes. Uh, but these ones were particularly magnificent, and because it was the mom, not just the children, some of the adults have got a little bit of English, and it just so happened that the the mom uh, that I gave one of them to was with the other mother who I gave one of those just fabs to. Mm -hmm. And they both have a bit of English. Oh, my gosh. And my name here in the village is Mashuru, so I know mm -hmm. the what that means. It means lucky. That's what they call me here, basically, because my name's too difficult to turn anywhere. They have nicknames yes. for everybody. And yes. I'm not... It's not that they see me as lucky. It's like their luck improved when yes. I came around. Yes. You know? Uh, so uh, this one was just saying, which means I am um, so lucky today. Mm. You know, they really knew that they got sort of the extra specials. And I was quite glad there was just really the two of them because it, it can be a little tricky because, you know, inevitably some of the blankets are made with, you know, more skill and whatever yes. uh, than the others yes. and all of them are loved and valued uh, you know this morning i was walking around mm -hmm. here just uh, thinking oh, let me get a couple of pictures so that i can share with the contributors what the village looks like that these children they see getting these blankets mm -hmm. so that they can imagine uh, what it is and and there next door i saw blankets that i gave two years ago on the wash line two of them yes isn't that fab wonderful Wonderful. Yeah, so anyway, I've only got about, um, I don't know, I dare not count, maybe half a dozen toys left. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even driven to where uh, Noria lives. And there's 20 children there and a woman that I promised a blanket to. So <laughs> I'm just talking about all that so that the contributors can know both how much this stuff is appreciated and how big the need is. And that if they see me here, you know, one year after another, and they're thinking, well, why doesn't she go somewhere else? You know, South Africa, I hope that helps explain why, because I haven't even given to a quarter of the children here. This time I tried largely to, unless there were groups of children, in which case I can't even exclude a 14-year-old a because yes. they're so thin and, yes. and their clothes are so, ugh, let's not even go there. But if they come, especially at the end, I was saying, only the little ones, only send me the small ones, you know. Yes. And in the end, only being able to give to the little ones because then I know they were born within the last two years since I gave. So they definitely right. don't have one. Mm -hmm. And then I gave to about, let me think, maybe four or five pregnant women, um, yeah, that's a nice idea. I won't get back here before the baby's born. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's some children here. Ah, uh, sorry, just one second, Leanne. Masia. Ah, uh, Avua. Ah, Osor. Blanket of Fellows, we know. Blanket of Fellows, we know.
Okay. Uh, but the last time you didn't get a toy. Last time, no. Uh, you didn't get any toy last time. Okay, my friend, because your English is so good, I've got a few toys. Let me just quickly give you one. Is this your little brother? Did he get toy last time? Hmm? Is your friend? And last time, did he get a toy? Tell him he must tell truth. Many children in this village, no toy. Tell him he must tell truth. You got one last time. Ah, you're a good boy. Oh, and you're showing me. Oh, well done, you. Well done. So it's just the big boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. What have I got? Just give me this. Oh, I've got a special toy for a big boy. It's, it's a teddy bear as big as my, as long as my fingers, but it's got articulating arms and legs. But look. Okay. Okay. You like? So would you? Hmm? Okay, because only for big boy, no? Okay. Zawudi. Okay. Chimbedu Zawudi. Oh, shame. He was really pleased with it. I had to show him that the legs and arms articulated. Mm -hmm. And I swear this teddy bear is literally as long as my longest finger on my hand. But oh. I put half a dozen of them in. Yes, okay. And I thought, oh, I try to bring all the tiniest toys to Bafuri because space is at such yes. a massive premium. Yes. So over the last sort of four months or something, six months, everything that's come in that's, you know, catches my imagination, let's say, or that, you know, I know, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I bring them here. But then on mm -hmm. Tuesday, I got half a dozen of these tiny little teddies. Yes. The beautifully little crafted little teddies. Mm -hmm. Minute, as I say, miniature, 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 as small as you can imagine, wow. with articulating arms and legs. So I figured out that for a big kid, yes, that would mean something. Because mm. the others are like hand-knitted teddy. You know, this yeah. boy was that I just gave to now. He was explaining to me, by the way, that's another word I had to learn long ago, is chikroni, which means he was at school. And indeed, he's in his uh, uniform. Yes. So now he's complaining like he didn't get because he was at school. school. And Shane, mm -hmm. the little boy with him, was honest enough to say, Got but it. no, he had got it and then to haul it out from under his armpit and show me. How Lovely. sweet is that? Very sweet. Oh. Very sweet. Mm. Anyway, he lit into such a lovely smile. I wish you guys could oh. see what I get to see. Yeah. But I first had to sell it to him. Yes. Could hear. Mm. Yes, how it works. <laughs> anyway, it was just precious. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm down to maybe half a dozen toys, and I've got a few more days here. I thought I'd try and take a couple of days mm. to recover. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just going to be dealing with an endless, endless stream of, uh, sorry, of Auna, of Fela. <laughs> there it is, darling. Well, I think you'll agree with me that Athelay has a really warm um, way of interacting with the children and she does have a very soft spot for the community as a whole. That comes across, I think, in the interview very well. She will probably be making another visit to Pafuri sometime this year. And when she does, she's very careful to select the blankets that come in that are particularly lightweight 
because it's a it's um, although it does get cold there in winter, uh, it's generally quite a warm part of the country, and um, so she she goes for the blankets that are more suitable for that kind of climate. Um, about the course that I'm doing, I did say in my last episode that uh, I'm studying a master's in theology. And I wanted to just elaborate because I know some of you will be interested in this. Um, the special speciality that I'm doing is in Christian spirituality. And we have uh, lectures every um, every three or four months. I think we do four, four sets of lectures in a year. So that's every three months, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, we have a week of lectures and then a couple of assignments which are uh, written and submitted as essays. And then at the end of two years, we do a, a large thesis, large paper, research paper. Um, but just to give you a little idea about what the course is about. So when it comes to studying Christian uh, religion, religious studies, um, there are, I suppose, three main categories. The one is theology, and that deals very much with church doctrine, uh, depending on the denomination that you're in. Um, the other one is to do with ecclesiology which is the way the church is set up and the way people are trained and missions and things I suppose. Uh, the third one which is quite a new field is Christian spirituality and that deals with the way that people actually practice their faith and I find this really interesting because it's so much more um, practical I suppose. It's, it's, it's literally about what people do. Um, so in some contexts um, people would go to very formal church services, high church. Um, there'd be things like candles and incense and reading from the liturgy and um, hymns and obviously the sacraments and special uh, days, feast days and that kind of thing. Um, in a much more informal situation, in Protestant churches like um, the Methodists and the Presbyterians, the Baptists, you'd get things um, which were much much less formal. You'd sort of have sermons that are not read, but um, much more perhaps off the cuff, and uh, songs perhaps with uh, guitars and drums. At least that's that's what I was exposed to a lot of. Um, and uh, then the sacraments might be done much more informally as well. Instead of all coming to the front and and drinking wine from the chalice, there might be something like handing out little plastic cups of grape juice. Um, and little pieces of bread and I, I know certainly during COVID that even changed because people were given little packages with specially prepared bread and wine to so that there was no risk of, of infection um, then of course the Christian spirituality for, for modern contemporary times goes right through from very culturally specific things um, special cultural celebrations uh, to the way that people practice their faith um, and the things that they use. So if it might just be Bible study, the one way of doing it would be through something like Lectio Divina, which is a very um, monastic type of biblical reading, and it's slow and very thoughtful and reflective, um, to something which is much more um, like a sort of a comprehension where you'd have a, a reading with some some set questions that you'd think about um, that's in the in the realm of bible study and then of course people do uh, a variety of things um, along the lines of meditation and contemplation 
using candles or poetry or pieces of reading or um, images that they contemplate. It's just so many things. And I mean, this is just speaking in the contemporary sense. But the, the assignment that I did, my very first assignment for this master's degree, was on a 12th century French mystic called Marguerite Perret. And she wrote a, a very interesting book, which she called The Mirror of Simple Souls. And it was basically a sort of a handbook to teach people how to progress in their spiritual journey after receiving the love of God, the love and mercy of God, learning about the commandments and then maybe denying themselves of certain things that they were doing before and then obviously going through to um, a, a more service orientated. And then it went through lots of levels of much more um, spiritual kind of meditation on the love of God. Um, but what is so fascinating is that she, because she wrote her text in vernacular French, old French, instead of Latin, and because she had some ideas about intimacy with God um, that sort of put her outside the church where there wasn't it wasn't necessary for the church to mediate that relationship, uh, she was um, called out as a heretic. And then because she wouldn't defend her beliefs when she went in front of the French Inquisition, she ended up being judged on the basis of her text alone and people, um, the theologians that made the judgment decided that there were there was evidence in the text that she was extremely heretical and so she was burnt at the stake. But obviously her book had become popular already and it was circulated often without her name attached and the book became um, quite a, a favorite in, in monasteries. Um, but without her name attached. So nobody knew that it was a a, a text that had actually been um, proclaimed as heresy. And only in the, the early part of the last century, in the 20th century, did somebody actually discover records in the Vatican archives that linked her trial record to the book itself. And then they realized um, how... Uh, what an interesting sort of story there was behind the book because um, her writings have been embraced in in the, the Catholic contemplative tradition. So um, that's just a little bit about it. You, as you can hear from my voice, I'm fascinated. I think it's it's just so exciting because it's, uh, it's combining my love of history and of um, spirituality and people, their stories, uh, just with my own um, love of writing and I can get really stuck into the studying and the writing of the essays. So <laughs> uh, that's what I'm busy doing and I'm into my second assignment now working hard at it. So um, nothing much on the knitting front except that I'm continuing with my, my little squares, um, very much the plain Janes, but they are tremendous to listen to while I'm listening to my textbooks and of course, I do some novel reading and listening to podcasts when I'm taking a break. <laughs> so I hope that you're enjoying your knitting or crocheting or whatever you're doing to keep busy. And um, please look out for the next episode in two weeks time and share this one with your friends if you think they'll be interested. This is Leanne Hunt casting off. 
You can find show notes at www.net-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time.